FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 48 of the podcast that goes nicked. I'm your host, Jason Minimal, and this um, kind of bonus episode, we're going to take a look at just two books that came out this past week. We're kind of both getting two titles ready for uh, the next two Marvel events coming up. Uh, we have, of course, Battle of the Atom and Infinity, both literally right around the corner, and... We have a couple of titles that are getting ready for those. And that's why this episode will kind of be an event primer. As we'll look at kind of just the two issues that came out last week. It's going to be all new X-Men and Avengers. So, um, yeah, what we're going to do. All right, here we go. Okay, so first up, we're going to look at all-new X-Men number 15, which will be the last issue before Battle of the Atom begins. This one is written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by David LaFuente, colors by Jim Campbell, letters by VCs Corey Pettit, and then Eminem, Von Grabager, and Barreto did the cover. And the cover is pretty cool. Kind of looks like a classic, like, movie poster, like a romance movie. And it's got young Beast and Jean Grey embracing each other, about to move in for a kiss. And, like, in white cursive letters with purple outline, it says, Jean Grey and the Beast, question mark, exclamation point. And in the background, you have young Cyclops, like, screaming, like, No! Stop! She's mine! You know, whatever. Um... Yeah, it's a pretty cool cover. I like it. So, alright. So just right up front, I want to address the art by David Wafuente. It's uh pretty good. It's definitely in kind of like a manga style. But it's good. But I will say it's a very, almost kind of jarring break from the art we've had in this book so far. You know, Eminem, obviously I love. And Marquez, I love too. And there are are both definitely unique to themselves, but they're at least kind of in the same neighborhood. So when we had that stint by Marquez, it didn't really break up the flow of the book. Like, it just kind of... They went very well together. They were very uh, complimentary. Lafuente's art, while, while, like I said, is good, it just it's, it doesn't keep that flow going. It's definitely a lot different. I won't say that really detracted from the book too much. Just wanted to kind of point it out. And it definitely was. When I first popped open the cover, I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> Wasn't expecting that. So anyway, we start off with Rachel Gray coming back from some mission. Which, this kind of introduced an interesting timetable here. So, and we know the Hellfire Saga takes place before Battle of the Atom. 
But does it take place before all of all new X-Men? I'm trying to remember if there's been any references to the original mutants in, in Wolverine and the X-Men. I don't recall one. But Rachel acts like, like she has no idea the young X-Men are here. So I don't know what mission she's been on, but... I mean, she operates out of the school in Wolverine and the X-Men, so this almost makes it seem like the last time she we saw her leave the school for the Hellfire Saga, like all of all new X-Men had to happen between then and now, maybe? Kind of what I'm kind of taking from this. I don't know if I should or not, but that's kind of the timeline I'm constructing in my head. So anyway, she shows up, and Storm tries to talk to her about what's going on, and she's like, nope, nope, don't have time. I need a shower and need like to cleanse my mind. And she's going towards the shower and she bumps in to young Jean Grey. Which is a young version of her mother from another timeline. <laughs> yeah, brother from another mother. Well, this is a mother from another timeline. Anyway, they have like a telepathic off. Where they kind of both close their eyes and try to read each other's mind. They look very embarrassed and confused and they kind of just go their separate ways then we have a uh, scene of young cyclops young scott in some kind of study or office or whatever and he's trying to write a letter to gene probably professing his love so this is probably because we know that the time that they came from in history he had not vocalized or verbalized his feelings for gene yet and I guess with all the stuff that happened since they've come to the our present, then he wants to kind of get that out there. But it's funny because he um he crumbles up a note, and <laughs> I guess he's not not satisfied with the way he's saying what he's trying to say, and he shoots it out of his hand with an optic blast, <laughs> and young Bobby comes in and says, "You've saved all mutant kind from that piece of paper ever persecuting us ever again." Yeah, that was pretty funny. Amazingly, he wants young Scott to go with him and get out of the school for a while. He's freaking out because he sees his older self making out with Kitty. And he says that he's glad to know that he will eventually make out with the real girl. But he wishes it wasn't Kitty and he's conflicted. He says, he, of course, he does protest a little too much and he really doesn't like her. I'm wondering if maybe he does a little bit. But that's still got to be weird to see. But Scott agrees, and they uh they decide they're going to leave for a little bit. Bobby asks if they'll get in trouble, but young Scott says, <laughs> we, we've broken all the rules by traveling through time. What's another 20 minutes or so? So we go, we have Old Beast with Jean Grey trying to help her concentrate and levitate things. And she tells him to shut up. He's talking too much. And she takes a motorcycle that she was levitating completely apart. And as he, she's doing that, we see young Scott and young Bobby getting in a Jeep. And they speed off, breaking Jean's concentration before she can put the bike back together and then all the pieces fall on the ground. And Wolverine runs in. He's like, hey, that's my Jeep. Why are you people always stealing my things? And he looks over at Old Beast and Jean Grey. He's like, why is my motorcycle on the ground? Old Beast is like, he doesn't really care that Wolverine's motorcycle is broken. He's impressed that Jean showed a level of telekinetic aptitude she only hit while she was in Phoenix mode. But now she did it here as a pure mutant without the Phoenix. That she can achieve some of these power levels by herself. And obviously he thinks that's really, really cool. And I really actually, this panel of Beast, like, satisfaction and surprise is one of my favorite panels of the book. But Wolverine doesn't care. He's like, fix it. 
And Jean Grey looks really nervous. She has that kind of nervous anime face with little sweat drops. So, you know, she's like, oh, freaking out. Um, and Beast is like, I'm not really a mechanic. And Wolverine just growls. And Beast, old Beast says, we'll fix it. Or I'll fix it. Then it's cool. And Jean gets like a mental image. And it's a mental image from Astonishing X-Men. Back when uh, Josh Whedon and John Cassidy were doing the original run. And it's Wolverine cutting through a bunch of aliens very uh, ferociously. And Gene's like, we'll fix it. And Beast is like, we'll fix it. And then we see, um, so Scott, young Scott and young Bobby go into town. And there's like a little carnival going on. And we find out that Wolverine keeps lots of cash in all his uniform pockets and glove compartments. So young Scott helps himself. And young Bobby's like, how does Professor Wolverine have all that money? And young Cyclops says, I think he kills people for it, so they don't feel bad stealing it. His blood money. And then some, um, some girls find him and think he looks like Cyclops. And Bobby is like, well, he is Cyclops. So we go back to the school, and old Beast is trying to help Gene put the motorcycle back together the old-fashioned way with manuals and stuff, but he can't help thinking about how beautiful she is. And not in an inappropriate way. He's not going to hit on her. But he's just thinking back to when he was younger and had a crush on this exact girl like this at this age right in other words Jean looks like she did when he was in love with her and just kind of laments when he was younger he should have had more confidence and said what he had to say and not worried about Scott and what would how different their lives might be so then a uh, young Bobby in town is kind of bragging about their mutants are from a different time. These group of girls are trying to get them to use their powers. This girl has a melty ice cream cone and Bobby freezes it. And one kid says, you're mutants? And he runs off. And the, the girls apologize for him. They thought he was more open-minded. So we go back to the school and young Gene approaches young Beast. And he's talking about, he's doing a study on all the different mutations he's going to go through. Or that his older self has gone through the last few years. And he's trying to figure out what he did to himself to make himself so mutative, <laughs> he says. And uh, young Gene just says, when were you going to tell me that you're in love with me? And young Hank is like, that's not fair. And she says, it's not fair being honest with each other. And he gets mad at her for reading his mind. But she says, I didn't. Your older self was screaming these thoughts at me. I couldn't help it. And young Beast says he's embarrassed. And Jean says she's not trying to do that. And he asks her to leave. And she's like, why? He says, because you're in love with Scott. And Scott is in love with you. And one day you're going to get married. But Jean stops him and says, I'm not in love with him. What? Because what, what? she was when they left. So I guess, A, seeing what he becomes... And B, seeing the way he's kind of handling himself now in this present, she's kind of lost some of that, that special feeling she's had for him. Or had she, but at least she's, she's at least struggling with it. And um, she promises not to read his mind, and he, he thinks to himself, thank God. And then, young beast and Jean Grey, just like the cover promised, kiss. And they both smile, and they start making out. So then, uh, we go back to town, Young Cyclops and Young Iceman, actually Bobby and Scott, are hanging out with these girls. They're just talking, having a good time, chatting, flirting it up. And then conveniently, there's a hoodlum with a runaway stolen car and policemen are chasing him. And 
our young mutants spring into action. And young Scott shoots an I-beam, knocking the car into the air. Young Iceman makes a snow drift for it to land in. As the thieves crawl out of the car, the police arrest them. And the girls are super impressed. But then the young mutants look over and, uh-oh, there's Logan making a... Where he's punching his palm like, you guys are going to get it. He should have been in his wife beater. You're going to be the, the evil stepdad. And so Bobby and Scott are like, uh, we got to go. And the girl's like, no, you don't. And Bobby's like, actually, we really do. So the girls ask him for phone numbers. And they're like, uh, we don't have phones. So the redhead girl with green eyes writes her number on young Scott's hand. And the young Asian girl tries to write her number on young Bobby's hand, but he's all moist. He's condensating from just being icy. And she's like, you'll get my number from her, right? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, awesome sauce. I did think it was interesting and kind of cool. I don't know if Bendis is trying to say something about fate and destiny or whatever, or, or types, but, but both these guys find girls that at least on some levels fit their type. Young Scott is attracted to a redhead and pigtails or green eyes. She doesn't look like Jean, but she's the same kind of type as Jean. And then, of course, the young Asian girl with Bobby, the same kind of type as Opal. Doesn't really fit the kitty thing right now, but... You know, definitely one of Bobby's types would, would be Opal. So this girl, I don't know, it's like they don't know that this, that's where they're going to... Well, I guess Scott knows he's in love with Jean. But Bobby doesn't know that he's going to meet and fall in love with Opal, but he's still attracted to this girl who has a similar appearance. So then everybody walks off and we see Dazzler. She's been spying on him. She's leaning on a tree in the dark. Very noirish. <laughs> So then we see a young Jean bumps into Rachel again, and they run past each other. They don't want to deal with it. And she jumps in a room, uh, young Jean that is, and goes under her mattress and pulls out a piece of paper. And it's the wedding invitation that young Scott had showed her to their future wedding. And she kind of gets it and sits down on the floor and looks very distressed. So, I don't know. Um, I kind of feel like she was just playing, not, not trying to be mean, but just kind of playing with curiosity with Young Beast because she knew from Old Beast, Young Beast feelings. And because she's conflicted about how she feels with Scott, she kind of ran to him to see what that felt like. It's a very teenage thing to do. It's not necessarily the coolest thing to do, especially if she decides that, oh, you know what? I do still like Scott or I don't really like Hank that much. But we know that Hank really likes her. And now they've kissed, so he's going to be, like, super in love with her now. So if that doesn't develop the way he wants, that's definitely going to really hurt his feelings. So it'll be interesting to kind of follow that story thread. I think it's pretty cool. It's very interesting to see what, you know, Jean has been making a lot of innocent mistakes since she's come to the our present. And this might turn out not to be one, but it definitely has the potential to be another unintentional disaster. I don't know. I definitely like what Bendis is doing with Gene as a teenager being thrust into a super adult situation and having all the knowledge of her adult self, which is definitely a different twist from her teammates who kind of can see things and know about things, but they didn't feel it the way that Gene did. When she read Beast's thoughts. So anyways, it's, I, I just find it very, very interesting. So I'm going to give all new X-Men number 15, three out of three claws. We'll, we'll keep the streak going. 
Alright, so Battle of the Atom coming up. Looking forward to it a lot. Not too spoilery, but the basic concept is that we know. I mean, it's kind of all over the place. So X-Men from the future, (laughs) not Bishop and not Cable, but other future X-Men, come to our present again. (laughs) Because that happens all the time in X-Books, apparently. But the reason we're coming is that the young X-Men coming from the past have royally screwed something up. And so their intention is to make them go back to their regular time. So they can go back to their regular future time. And if if the past X-Men are in the past, and the future X-Men are in the future, and the present X-Men are in the present, then maybe everything can kind of fall back in place. The sound is very complicated. (laughs) And I won't lie, has the potential to be really cool or really, really dumb. But in Bendis, I trust. So I'm looking forward to it. I would like to know what you guys think. Are you stoked about this event? Are you dreading it? Are you in wait and see mode? I gotta say, regardless of your feelings, you gotta feel like the art looks amazing. So that part's cool anyway. But yeah, and also, I'd like to know what people think about... Oh, the possibility of a young Hank and Jean romance. Do you think she was just being curious and it's not going anywhere? Or do you think that's going to be... You know, has everything been shaken up enough that we get kind of a different life path for Jean Grey? She falls in love with somebody else and does something else. I don't know, definitely very intriguing. So yeah, this sets up for Battle of the Atom, which I, for one, am pretty excited about. And uh, we'll see, see what happens. We'll talk about it when we get there. All right, let's move on to our other event primer. Okay, so the other book we have is Avengers 17, which is the final prelude to infinity. And it is called To the Light, written by Jonathan Hickman and Nick Spencer. The art is by Stefano Caselli, Marco Rooney, and Marco Cacchetto. The colors are by Frank Martin. The letters are by VCs Corey Pettit. And the cover is by Lionel Francis Yu, and Sunny Go. This is a pretty cool cover. It looks interesting. Okay, so remember last time we left off, this giant robot of death escaped from AIM Island and destroyed the Avengers. And now, Superior and the AIM scientists want to get it back. So they come after it, try to talk to it. I uh, really like Caselli's art here. I'm a fan, so no big surprise. Anyway, they, uh, they get the robot back into their thingamajig. A machine that's between universes and so they strand the the space robot there or he can't hurt anything and then they go about extracting dna from all the knocked out avengers and then eden shows up and tells them to stop and teleports everybody away it's actually it's pretty cool he says it's time for you guys to leave and i don't care where you go which I don't know, like, if he's really, like, just teleporting these guys willy-nilly with reckless abandon, and they're just kind of going all over the place, that's really cool. Like, he just really doesn't give a damn. And just like, get out of here! Go F yourselves! You know, whatever. I, I liked it. I thought it was cool. Then he, he sends Superior, I don't know, it looks like the moon, or a desert. Then he gets, he takes Captain America, or finds him in the side of building in Perth, Australia. And he has a message to give him from Captain Universe. So they talk to Bruce, and Bruce wakes up. They ask him if he's all right, and he says, I'm naked, and I have no idea where I am. So just a regular Wednesday. (laughs) Then later, we go to Stark Towers, and Captain America has everybody in there, and 
He's relaying Enan's message that they have to get bigger. And Cannonball's like, uh, it's already kind of crowded. And the, the Smasher girl, or whatever her name is. Yeah, I think it's Smasher. She's like, they're like two showers. Two. <laughs> and Eden feels like they're not taking him seriously. The Cap says they'll talk about it. He dismisses everybody. And him and Bruce Banner and Iron Man are going to try to figure it out. There's some kind of like tension between Captain America and Bruce. Not real sure what that's about. I've missed it. So um, they decide they all know who Captain Universe is talking about. And they take a trip to Mars. And this is where the art changes to uh, the first Marco. Marco Rooney. Eh, not a fan. It's okay. But so Captain America, Captain Marvel, and Eden go to Mars. Of course, the new green part of Mars. They find Ex Nilo and Abyss. Now, I remember Ex Nilo being pretty bulky. I guess there's no food on Mars because he looks skin and bones in this picture. And so basically the Avengers have come to recruit Ex Nilo and Abyss to be Avengers. And basically say that Captain Universe has asked for them and they need their help or they're willing to step up to the plate. And Ex Nilo is like, well, just a minute. Then he presses something on his chest and we get a fish sound and his omega gets a little dash across it and changes to an alpha now remember his thing is he goes to worlds and creates and destroys uh either depending on his fancy or his prime director or whatever but he says i've always said that life is to be savored and isn't this just like life the way we thought things were is rarely how they turn out to be so he was originally trying to help remake earth like evolve it into a new planet, like destroy it and start over. And now he's going to help protect and save it. So he is ex nihilo, Avenger, just as it was always meant to be. So we go to this place outside the sun. I don't know who this is with Tony Stark. Is it supposed to be Bruce? Because it doesn't look like Bruce. He's in some kind of like metal suit. He has two little glowing things on his chest. And I honestly have no idea who he is. And Iron Man does not address him at all. <laughs> So, when they come in to get Adam and Starchild, is that this kid's name? Or Starbrand, maybe? I don't know. He's supposed to be really powerful. And the Adam guy is from the first story. He was the new Adam, the new first human that Ex Nihilo created to start his repopulation of the Earth. I like him very visually. And of course, now we switch to the Marco Cicero art with this scene outside the sun. Looks pretty cool, and apparently all the Avengers come to this base, and there's a, a little monologue about last resorts, world builders, and world breakers. In the last days of life, before a season of death, we were Avengers, and we get a full-page spread of all the Avengers, including the new super-powerful recruits. It's a pretty cool page. I like it by Kaketo. The only thing I don't like is Wolverine, in the, he's in the bottom left corner in the forefront. And he looks really awesome, except for his claws kind of look like chopsticks. So not, I don't know if it's just the perspective Kaketo was trying to draw. Because he's drawn Wolverine before, I think, right? At least on the covers of that last Punisher War, War Journal miniseries. Or War Zone miniseries. And his Wolverine looks pretty cool. And his, his face and mask look awesome. But the claws, are, I don't know, a little... A little too much like chopsticks or sewing needles, and less like kind of the blades that I prefer in my Wolverine claws. So, not to repeat myself, which I kind of just talked about when we uh, reviewed the last issue of New Avengers, but 
The compliment I was paying Hickman about how I can kind of jump in and out of this book and still keep up. Yeah, I'm kind of lost that again. Um, I guess moving into the big Infinity event is going to draw on kind of all those threads, which makes sense that he would kind of tie them all together. But the parts of the series I haven't liked and haven't followed, don't really know what's going on. So I don't know much about this star brand kid. I'm not sure if what Captain Universe saw, I'm assuming that's the invasion that's coming in that's part of this big Infinity event. So we're kind of past the whole trying to make over the world with the creation bomb sites, I guess, since ex Nilo has officially joined the Avengers. But, um, so I guess he's going to team up to protect the planet now. So I don't know. I, I guess, like, the Infinity Invasion and Thanos, if I understand it right. All right, so let's, let's talk about the event, Infinity. Well, let's grade the book first. Um, I was confused. The art was really good. There were a couple of funny lines, but overall, didn't really care for this issue very much. So I'm going to give Avengers 17. It's kind of on the border between a 1 and a 2. I just I don't know what's going on. I don't really care. So I'm going to give it a 1 out of 3 claws. So let's talk about the event, Infinity. I don't really know. I was excited about it. Now I'm... A little more cautious. Alright, so I'm obviously, I'll just be upfront and honest. I'm very so-so about Hickman. I like his dialogue, the way he writes characters, usually. But I don't like the super fantastical sci-fi stuff. But then he also is really good at writing down-to-earth stuff. So he's a good writer when he writes the stuff I want to read about. And he's probably a good writer when he writes the stuff I don't want to read about. I just don't want to read about it. You know, kind of my whole thing. You know, I'm very much... You know, growing up, I only liked the really down-to-earth stuff. Like, I, I started off in G.I. Joe and Punisher, and those are my favorite books as a kid. And then I moved into X-Men and Spider-Man, and I never really got into an Avengers until I was an adult. And I still don't really care that much about Fantastic Four. I appreciate what they mean to comic books, but I just don't really like them that much. And so I never really read much of Hickman because he did a Fantastic Four run that was long and very critically acclaimed, but very, like, complicated sci-fi stuff that I just don't really care that much about. Lots of alternate dimensions and, well, from what I guess, I I didn't actually read. I only read a couple issues of the run. So, anyway, so this event, it has potential to be really cool. And my suspicion is I'll really like part of it and hate part of it. (laughs) Just being honest, that's kind of what I'm predicting is going to happen. So, I don't know. How does everybody else feel about it? I mean, I'll be reading it because Wolverine is involved. And, you know, I want to keep up with what he's doing. There's parts of it I'm very interested in. The Thanos stuff, I like the idea of an alien invasion. Reminds me of the movie, Avengers movie. So, let's have to see. How, how it all kind of plays out. Hopefully it's better than this issue. <laughs> but I think this was just a lot of, of tying up loose ends to make new ends. So like taking all the, the story threads and putting them in a ball so they can diverge into new threads into the event. So anyway, I would love to hear what everybody else thinks about Infinity, whether you're excited about it, dreading it, or wait, we'll give the same three options as uh, Battle of the Atom. So you're either excited about it, dreading it, or kind of in wait-and-see mode, which is kind of where I am in this one. So, okay, so I hope you enjoyed this kind of uh, shorter episode. 
going to kind of get ready for the two big Marvel events coming up. Just kind of summarize briefly what I'm looking forward to or not looking forward to in those events. Of course, Battle of the Atom is kind of an X-Men only event. And I love the X-Men. And I love everybody that's working on the book. So I'm really looking forward to that one. And Infinity is, other than the few X-Men mutants that are on the Avengers, including Wolverine, uh, from what I've heard the x-men will not be very involved in this event but you know i've grown to to love a lot of parts about the avengers too over the last uh, few to several years so i'm kind of looking forward to infinity i'll definitely be checking it out and keeping up with it part of me feels like if i've been reading all of avengers and new avengers instead of just issues here and there i would understand more of what's coming up but I don't know if I would necessarily be more excited about it. Because honestly, the parts I've been skipping in those two books are parts that don't really interest me. So even if they were filling in gaps or foreshadowing what's to come, I don't know if that would make me any less cautiously optimistic about Infinity, which I guess is how we'll describe my overall feeling, is that I'm cautiously optimistic. Just to summarize the two writers, I pretty much love most of what I've ever read from Bendis, so I'm excited about what he's going to do, even though the concept to me has more potential for disaster. I feel like the Infinity basic concept is safer. <laughs> it's more just kind of a straightforward, there's a big invasion, the Avengers go to space, Thanos comes to Earth while they're gone, some of the heroes that are left on Earth, maybe some of the minor leaguers, quote-unquote, if you will, have to uh, defend the Earth while the Avengers are off also defending the Earth, but in space. Uh, that sounds like a pretty solid concept. And I, I think overall it'll probably end up being pretty good, and I'll probably like most of it. There's some characters involved I don't like, and there's the tendency for Hickman to be too esoteric and too crazy sci-fi, too fantastical, which... I know, it's weird to say that as a comic book reader, I shouldn't be a big fan of all that stuff, but it's just not really in my wheelhouse. There are times when I like elements of that, but when that's the focus, I just kind of lose interest. So it's just my personal taste. I'm not really big into that. But anyway, um, these are the two big events coming up kind of end of summer, beginning of fall. So um, we'll be talking about them on the podcast for a while. And these two issues that came out last week kind of are setups for those books in some ways. The Avengers book is definitely more of a direct prelude to infinity than the all-new x-men was to battle the atom but considering that battle the atom is predicated on the events of all-new x-men as a whole you know we definitely kind of took we took a breath to get ready for the event so that's kind of how that plays in so anyway that's what's going on with those all right so um we're gearing up for episode 50 we had a new like uh noel ryan's i don't want to mispronounce your name noel but i just don't really know how to say it right? So I'm really sorry, but I'm super glad you like the Facebook page. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Snicked family. Feel free to, to email in or tweet me your uh, your correct pronunciation, and I'll definitely fix that. So anyway, welcome aboard, Noel. Glad to have you. Hope you continue to enjoy the podcast. And I hope I didn't butcher your name too bad, because I would feel really sad. <laughs> anyway, uh, so you too can also like the Facebook page. I'd really like to hit 20 to celebrate the first birthday of the podcast. And we need at least three more in the next couple of weeks. If you feel so inclined, you can either search for the podcast that goes nicked on Facebook or the direct URL is facebook.com slash snicked 
podcast fan page. Also, feel free to leave an iTunes review or follow us on Twitter at SnickCast. You can email theories or thoughts to SnickCast at Yahoo.com. And if you want to just go to the webpage for show notes and stuff like that, it is SnickCast.Podbean.com. I think I got everything. So until the next episode, hugs and snicks. Bye.